the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Thursday, January 21st, 2021. If you're on the line, please hold. We will get to you. It's a delight to welcome back to the show Benjamin Weingarten. He's a senior contributor at The Federalist. We had uh, the publisher of The Federalist on yesterday, Ben Dominich. He's also the author of a really important book, American Ingrate, Ilan Omar and the Progressive Islamist Takeover of the Democratic Party. We can actually get into some of that, too, with the reason I invited Ben on. Ben, thanks for joining us this Thursday. Seth, it's always a pleasure. I'm yeah, it's all, it is a pleasure. I, lo- I, I need to call on you more. I hope you're open to it. I, I, you, you write some great stuff. You, um, you put up on Twitter today um, a story that General Lloyd Austin, who is the designee for Secretary of Defense, right? General Lloyd Austin told the Senate that if confirmed, he will rid the Pentagon and U.S. military ranks of racists and extremists. That's what he said in his hearings today. You queried, will Joe Biden clearly and concisely define for the American people what he and his nominees mean by extremists. This, I think, is a hugely important question, Benjamin. I'd love you to talk about it because I noted it in his inauguration speech yesterday. Joe Biden was talking about how the right to dissent in America is, his words, the nation's greatest strengths within the guardrails of our republic. It's that phrase of his that makes me nervous, what they see as the guardrails of our republic. Something tells me that there's an increasing um, dive into standard, traditional, conservative, and Republican thinking, ideology, and speech that doesn't fit in those guardrails. What's your sense? Well, look, there's been a push, particularly starting in the summer of 2020, to create a dichotomy of anti-racism versus everyone else, i.e. racist. And Anti-racism is essentially code for being woke, being progressive on any number of issues, identity politics, a view of America as an evil, deplorable bastion, probably best reflected in the historical narrative of the 1619 Project. And so one could surmise, or at least one could speculate, that something that is extreme or outside the guardrails when it comes to dissent would be anything that does not fall within progressivism, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason I ask that question, and I ask it rhetorically, but I also ask it genuinely, is we better know what this administration means by extremists and what they brand as racist. Is all conservative thought racist? Is, is the, Are the founding values and principles inherently racist? Plenty of people on the left argue they are. What that means, then, is that essentially there's a duty, uh, in, in their view, to purge half of the country. And look, I think you can look at actions taken by the Biden administration that already reflect to some extent what they consider to be a legitimate ideology and what they consider to be illegitimate when you look at the fact that one of the first moves of the administration was getting rid of the 1776 Commission, which in part stood opposite the 1619 Project narrative, 
that I mentioned before. And then also there's all this language about ensuring, and this is an, these are an executive action, also ensuring that there is racial equity, racial justice, et cetera, embedded within all of our executive agencies and policies. And again, without defining what these terms actually mean very clearly and giving concrete examples as to what the words mean, it's very nebulous. But I think we all know that what it really means is enshrining wokeism in the federal government and opposing anyone who opposes wokeism in the federal government and ultimately in civil society, because we now live in this world in which the adjuncts of our government in big tech, in big business, woke capital, uh, across obviously the corporate media and our academy are all essentially adjuncts, extensions of the state and put forth the state's ideology and impose it upon us in civil society, which is very dangerous. I saw Jonathan Turley on television earlier this afternoon saying um, he's never seen such a McCarthyist moment or McCarthyite moment in American history since McCarthy. And he said the interesting distinction, the obvious one is McCarthy was a Republican. Joe McCarthy was a Republican. But he said the interesting distinction is not that. The interesting distinction is that advocates for civil liberties and free speech were primarily in those days, you can name them, academia, Hollywood, the media. And they are the ones who seem to be most on the side of the new McCarthyism today. We don't have a kind of uh, – I mean we don't, we don't have the ACLU we had in the 60s, 70s, and even 1980s. Yeah, it's absolutely right. They have turned into the very tyrannical people they claim to have opposed. I mean, there are other distinctions as well, if I could make just a couple of deviations. I mean, one is that in the McCarthy era, there were communists that were in our system and that were trying to subvert us, even though obviously one can uh, attack his tactics or the scope or the way in which he went about pursuing them. Um, Number two, though, to your point, there was a time where there was first of all, deep skepticism of the national security and intelligence apparatus within our media, within those civil liberty groups and beyond. Now the pendulum has completely shifted to the point where the media serves as the conduits, in effect, of the weaponization of our intelligence apparatus and our national security apparatus because it fits their narrative. And and you see it personified, really, when you have someone like John Brennan, who, as I've written about, is a serial liar, yet gets to go on TV and continue to spout that disinformation, and himself had almost a hilarious clip, but also a terrifying one, in which the other day he talked about the fact that those who were staffing up the Biden administration were going to pursue these pro-Trump insurrectionists that included everyone from you know, racist, extremist, domestic terrorists, to even libertarians, yes. which is the funniest part of, y- the, yes. of the entire quote. Um, the pendulum has completely shifted, and there are very few honest liberals out there because there really aren't that many liberals out there anymore. There's progressives and everyone else. You have Glenn Greenwald and Jonathan Turley, and that's about it. And it makes for strange bedfellows. But it's seriously disheartening that we're we're at a place now where it is really about destroying anyone who dissents from really the ruling class ideology. It's more than just Democrats. It's their adjuncts, and it's bipartisan, really, in practice as well. Let me let me posit this because 
what's interesting, it's hard to get at in some respects. I mean, I suppose we'll see it with what you what you saw from uh, General Austin's comments. But up until really literally yesterday, up until literally yesterday, most of this was in the private sphere. Um, That is to say, um, you know, Amazon is a private corporation. Twitter is a private corporation, that sort of thing. Uh, Facebook. But here's what I'm noticing. I, I had a friend talk to me today about another friend who's on the board of a conservative organization. You would know it if I said it. My audience would know it if I said it. And because he's a member of that board, a nonprofit he's also a member of is asking him to resign. The board is – the conservative organization is a standard, a conservative – it's not the Heritage Foundation, but it might as well be. I'm, I'm not at liberty to give it away, but – Lest, lest these people be identified, but you understand the point. He's on the board of something like the Heritage Foundation, something like um, uh, the Claremont Institute, and another nonprofit board that has nothing to do with politics is asking him to resign because he be- he's part of an organization that supported Donald Trump. We're, we're, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of this before we see a lot less. I think you're going to see nothing less. If it continues this way, then essentially the destruction of a cohesive civil society. I've speculated in past articles that we're headed towards ideological segregation in the private sector, in in our main civil society arteries. And I don't see that there's any limiting principle to where this goes because there's this massive pressure from the state from the academy, from beyond, from all the commanding heights of society, to smear and toxify and ultimately target essentially any one of the 74 million-plus people who voted for the president, to identify them all as racist, bigots, potential domestic terrorists. And that's why it would be great if the Biden administration would define its terms so we know, uh, are we all terrorists or are we all just suspected terrorists at this point? And and I think, to your point, in some ways, it's more disturbing that it's happening in civil society than that it's politicians acting tyrannically. Politicians pursue power. Politicians sometimes try to cripple their opposition. It's even worse. There's something that's even more Soviet in the sense of we're not necessarily informing on our neighbors at this point, but if the social pressure is so great that we are voluntarily, of our own volition, pushing people out of the public sphere, because of their political beliefs. That's actually a really important point. Can I keep you another segment, Benjamin, or do you have to run? Sure thing. I'd love to, because that's actually a really important point about self-government and and what the actual citizens believe anymore. Maybe they don't believe in their their constitution anymore either. We're talking to Benjamin Weingarten. I want to seg into, you know, what some of us thought really was a problem, and that was the progressive Islamist takeover of the Democratic Party, not the... um, conservative or Republican Party in and of itself. We'll be right back with more from Benjamin Weingarten. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have with us Benjamin Weingarten. He is a senior contributor at The Federalist and author of a a really important book, American Ingrate, Ilan Omar and the Progressive Islamist Takeover of the Democratic Party. Right before the break, Benjamin, we were talking about how so much of the censorship we're worried about and talking about lately has until yesterday 
literally been mostly in the private sector, mostly, and that that, you know, is going to create its own set of perhaps proposals to deal with, whether it's book publishers uh, canceling, you know, uh, books by senators like Josh Hawley, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter. Um, and you said in some respects that might be even worse because it shows a lack of uh, belief in support for um, our, our first uh, constitutional amendment by the people themselves, never mind a respect for it by the government. If the people don't believe in it, how do you expect the government to? Do I read you right? Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And it, it, there's something there's something fundamentally more disturbing about the fact that our citizens would be turning on their fellow citizens, uh, in in part because they're true believers, in part because they're useful idiots, dupes, and in part because other people go along with the crowd or they're cowed into bending the knee and, and seeking to virtue signal by pushing others to do so. There's something very un-American about it. And Look, there is a government element to this as well, which is that when it comes to the social media companies, for example, there's been rhetoric and then, of course, implicit pressure on the part of several members of Congress to push the social media companies to purge certain accounts. And look, obviously, the government can perform oversight, can do probes and use all sorts of powers, again, to implicitly, if not explicitly, threaten these private companies. But Plenty of corporations are more than willing to go along without getting a push from the government. And, and, and that's, that's, that's disturbing in and of itself. And, I mean, there's a word for when you have private corporations working hand-in-hand hand with the government in such a way. And it's just incredibly disturbing that we're witnessing it today. All right. Let me – yes, I agree with you. And I want, it makes me want to kind of transition or, if I can, segue to really uh, a topic in your the, – the main topic of your book. You're probably the – foremost authoritative uh, uh, writer, uh, scholar on um, Ilan Omar. And I, and I was struck by something she said um, a year ago or so in front of the steps of the Capitol. She said President Trump was a dictator tyrannizing our communities. And I thought, well, it's clearly just obviously so patently ridiculous for someone to be able to call someone a dictator – um, in front of the seat of power of Congress and be able to freely do so. That that would happen actually in no dictatorship or with any real tyrant. But that narrative, and she didn't invent it. She was just aping what you know a lot of the progressives have said and marched with regard to Donald Trump and conservatives for the past several years. Tyrant, fascist, Hitler, dictator, all that sort of thing. If you, if you reify um, that concept um, enough – strongly enough, loudly enough, ubiquitously enough, you kind of do set the moral conditions, never mind the legal, but you certainly set the moral conditions for censorship, uh, if not something much worse than that, right? It seems to me that, that, that this was not a mistake. We have gone from being, as Republicans and conservatives, extremists when it came to Social Security proposals that might include, heaven forfend, you know, privatization – to white supremacists for I don't know what anymore, I suppose, uh, thinking that we need a border, I, I guess. But that that is what we are now called, all of us, white supremacists, if we supported the Republican agenda of the last four years. Yeah, they, they foisted this narrative on us because the goal was to alienate and marginalize 
roughly half the country because, in my view, the president and more broadly the president's agenda and who he was representing in tens of millions of forgotten Americans were the greatest threat to the power of the ruling class that it's ever faced. And when I say the ruling class, again, I mean that broadly, not just the federal government, not just the administrative state and the vast majority of members of Congress, but also, again, their adjuncts at the commanding heights of society. They viewed it as an existential threat to their power and privilege. And so the playbook that they went to to try to eliminate that threat beyond going after President Trump and all of his associates and going further and further out in terms of concentric rings of people being close to him was to try to smear and toxify half of us as being essentially uh, not worthy of, of existing in this society, of needing to be excommunicated and shunned from society. And if, if you say that we are terrorists and then you can use the full force of the state against us and curtail our liberties and the like, that, in their view, is the strongest way to neutralize the threat of tens of millions of Americans who just won't go along with their agenda of the status quo. If we actually had a, a ruling class befitting of the name, or if we had an elite so-called befitting of its name, or representatives befitting of the name representative, they would actually look at what tens of millions of Americans were demanding in terms of policies and change their policies to actually represent their constituents. Instead, instead their idea is to crush us. It is not to listen to why people voted for Donald Trump in the first place and, and the policies that comprise the America First agenda. It's to try to blot them out of American life because, again, it, it poses a threat to their own self-interest. And that, at the end of the day, is what this is all about. It's about retaining power and growing power by crushing, quashing any threats to it. Do you think that the, uh, the rescue of standard forms of civil liberties, the rescue of uh, free speech uh, for conservatives, people on the center right, even perhaps members of, of, of you know, boards of 501c3s that are conservative. Do you think that that will be protected in the courts ultimately, or do you think we are heading down towards a time that looks like something out of uh, the Palmer raids again? What I would say is my faith has never been more shaken in the justice system than it is sitting here today after the Trump years where talk about norms and, and, and the importance of institutions uh, and rules. And they've all been eviscerated in the double standards that we've seen in terms of how the laws are applied, how justice is meted out, who is targeted. So I just I lack total faith at this point in the justice system, and, and, I, and I hope that my pessimism proves unwarranted. And look, obviously, to the extent you don't have the Supreme Court packed in theory on cases like free speech cases, uh, perhaps our rights will be upheld ultimately after litigation, which can obviously take time. But all that said, with all the chilling acts that we've seen, and the fact that all of Russiagate and Spygate, virtually no one, with the exception of one lower-level employee in the administrative state, actually faced justice. We still don't know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about it. Whereas everyone on the Trump side got destroyed, their finances at a minimum ruined, and many of them having to be pardoned. After witnessing that, why should anyone have confidence that the rule of law is going to be upheld? Why should anyone have confidence when you have a Supreme Court that went against President Trump's policies, essentially, because of Trump. Mm -hmm. That was the end mm -hmm. 
end explanation for several of the rulings where essentially the court said, yeah, what the administration did was lawful, but we didn't like the way that they did it, or we didn't like the person that did it effectively. Right. Ben, good stuff, important stuff. Uh, We're going to have to be vigilant on this. I'm going to stay in touch with you a little more closely this year. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You bet. Benjamin Weingarten, folks. You can uh, follow him uh, on on Twitter at BHWeingarten. I recommend you do so. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Tony is in Phoenix. Hi, Tony. Oh, hi, Seth. Thank you so much. I uh, was a Trump supporter both times. I'm actually registered independent because I just got so tired of the Republicans. There's really no difference between the two. I mean, there are some. Love Mike Pence. You know, he's gone now. But anyway, so... um, I agreed with everything that your guest said, and I know that he was not very optimistic. Um, I'm not really very optimistic for our country. I'm really tired of, and as far as the First Amendment, obviously all subjects are on the table. What I would like to see, though, is the profanity and the filthy words and the scatological twaddle, you know, that sort of thing. And what I find is the people most guilty of that sort of thing, and I'm talking about Wall Street Journal articles where they uh, write op-eds and so on and so forth, just filled with the most disgusting profanity. Professors at colleges, and I usually write into the Wall Street Journal and say, what's with this person, you know, but I'm a nobody, so I never get in. Um, So as far as censorship, I just would love to see this vulgar speech uh, be censored. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen, and it probably won't. But the other thing is, and you've probably covered this already because, you know, you've covered just about everything. By the way, you are the kindest, gentlest, most intellectual talk show out there. So thank you very much <laughs> Oh, for <that>. Tony, <laughs> you're so it, kind. It's true. You're very it's kind. True. I, I'll but, just but say really, thank you. I'll just say thank you. Yeah. But that's very okay, kind that's of fine. you to say. Thank yeah. you. Well, okay. And um, so anyway... Um, Oh, yeah, I was going to say things like this. And I know that you, I I don't need to give descriptions about this, but, you know, if you're on the bus, the 80-year-old grandmas and grandpas are using this disgusting language. And I just think the people have just gone so bad because of the education, the entertainment we've been listening to. Everybody has gone away from biblical principles. Um, We're just completely divided on a different page when the people go bad, the country goes bad. Tocqueville, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think we're there. However, I'm optimistic because as a Christian, and even if you're not a Christian yet, there's still time. And we've got certain promises there. And you know countries, at first they're poor, they're humble, they're honest, they do everything well, and then they get wealthy, and then they desert God, and then they start getting very corrupt, and then, of course, the end comes. So I kind of think we're there, 250 years, and uh, I don't know, anything could happen, but if it weren't for Christ, I would be really depressed. But like well, I you, said, you've inspired people, a lot of thoughts here, Tony, and I'll tell you where my mind was going. It was something I haven't raised recently in the context of uh, 
the violence uh, that has been decried that took place on the infamous date of January 6th and, you know, the violence of the last summer, the riots and all that sort of thing. You know, we conservatives, for the most part, I think probably somewhere 80 to 90 percent of us, if not more, we've decried mob violence for a long time. And a big portion of us, a large portion of us, long before that, had a campaign engaged in um, decency, um, going to your point about vulgarity. In the early 90s, uh, Joe Lieberman, uh, William Bennett, Dolores Tucker, who was an African-American civil rights worker, they had this campaign in Hollywood and in Los Angeles to get some of these music companies to um, – think about and rethink about some of the songs that they were putting out and the lyrics that they were promoting, particularly in the rap community, Uh, lyrics and songs about raping, lyrics and songs about violence against women, talking about how unhealthy it was for a society. And they weren't asking for government censorship. They were asking for personal responsibility. And I remember one hearing, I don't remember which record company it was. We had had record companies in those days, Tony. I don't remember which record company it was. It was a big one, whether it was Sony or something like Columbia. I just don't remember. Where William Bennett was testifying uh, at an open board meeting in front of the CEO and he read the lyrics to one of these rap songs and he said to the president, would you let your child listen to those lyrics? And I don't have to go into the lyrics now. You guys can search them. You know the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It involves the worst kinds of sexual violence. And he said no. And Bennett said, then you should be ashamed of yourself for trying to sell this to the rest of the American people. We have been in a campaign of vulgarity for profit for a long time, Tony. And the word vulgarity is really a beautiful Greek word. It means um, lack of experience in things beautiful. That's the Greek aperikolia root of vulgarity. We'll say more about that in a moment. I was just thinking about the call Tony had and the kind of music we got used to in the 90s compared to that. What a what a run. Parts of the show are sponsored by Balance of Nature. It's my most favorite of products, not only to endorse but to take. I do take it every single day in the morning. I just take those green and red veggie capsules because they're filled with tens of thousands of vital nutrients where they lock into the vegetarian capsules all the uh, whole food, plants, fruits, and vegetables you need and then some using their unique cold press process. It gives you the equivalent of 10 servings of 31 different fruits and vegetables every single day. This is not the time of year you want to let your energy sag or your immunity either. You want to boost your immunity? There's... Precious little better you can do than with Balance of Nature. And they have a great deal right now, offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. You'll be really glad you did. There's a lot in what Tony said that I wanted to address, and I'll do it more so in a second. I'll try and unite a few different things. But first, let me go to William in Phoenix. Hi, William. Hi, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, the first thing you had your guest, and um, 
kind of made it sound like a, almost a lot of these newspapers where a person would be liberal left, uh, they're getting the same harassment on the left, especially the far left people who want a populist approach as conservatives would get. And like Seymour Hearst retired about a year and a half ago, but he was like, I got a ton of stories, but unless it has some way to trounce Trump, no one's going to publish it. Mm -hmm. And I've been under totalitarian crackdowns in big organizations, and it, you have disagreements with people, but it's not a... It's, it's, I cannot believe that there's that many out there. Uh, like, it's everyone. But it, you know, it definitely seems so. That's my one point. That what, uh, let me make sure I understand it, William, that what's not everyone. Meaning, meaning like... Uh, the the woman who left, I think it was the New York Times. Yeah, sure. And she came out. Yeah, there's a lot of them that ain't gonna. Ba Barry Weiss was it? Barry Weiss. Head. Yeah, Barry Weiss. Yeah, yeah. But she said like Twitter's used. If they produce an article, Twitter will crush them. Yeah. With with you know, and well, the editor I mean, of the New York Times was forced to resign for doing nothing more than publishing an op-ed by Tom Cotton. Exactly. And so how an, we an editorial or an op-ed, by the way, that would have been accepted on January 7th. No, I, I uh, yeah. Because, yeah. because and, at that point, meant, Democrats got hip to the idea of using the Insurrection Act. Yeah, I mean, right now you're a unicorn. You, are, you have a radio station that produces out. Everybody else in the world is getting censored can't say anything. I'm on Facebook. I say whatever they want most because we're nobodies. They don't censor us. But get an audience and you're attacked. Yeah. So my thing is like you were talking about the freedom and then the commercial came and then the news came talking about Biden allowing, you know, to get green cards after three months yeah. and citizens after eight years. I mean, we already know on that sense that as soon as it takes a lot to even like an executive order, it doesn't just go away once you issue a new one because one the thing is not letting something get started. Well, that's so right. I'm I mean, wondering... you could have four years of an executive order's authorization and practice, and that can do a lot of damage. You're talking about millions of people a year under under one executive order. That's that's a lot to undo. It's impossible to undo. Yeah, but like the DACA, since it was in motion, yeah. Trump, they had to, they, they couldn't just remove it. But, you know, Biden's going to overstep. I mean, we've seen this movie. We've seen the, 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 um, the sequel, number two, for the second, and now we see sequel number three. So we can talk about, I mean, you, I have seen more people with the things that the Republic, that talk radio and common sense conservatives have been talking about for 30 years. I'm an old, older man, still great looking, but, um, and it's like, who's going to, who's going to, I mean, it doesn't look like the Republicans per se are going to stand up to every issue. There are, you know, the judicial watch law, as soon as he issues this uh, executive order, the first chance it should be sued and stopped in court and did what, what they did to Trump right. to some degree. Right. And so there's lots of different fighting. I, I've never seen a society so interested, if I'm a conservative and magnavoid, is what to do next. Yeah. And we all know it's bad. And I don't, like, I know guys that are normal, everyday guys, you wouldn't even think suit and tie, 
and they're telling me things that I wouldn't say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm a carpenter. You know, they're worried. But, and you, I, and other, you mean they're worried. They're really worried. But they don't have a thing. They don't know where to go. Yeah. They don't. It's like there are places to go. And you're a unicorn. And you, because you have a station, uh, and I don't want to put your, yourself, I don't know what you parameters you have, but we don't, I mean, we, we don't know whether we should, you know, peacefully protest with no military garb outside um, Ted Cruz's office or someone else's office or whatever. Ted Cruz is, did a whole bunch of, like, some real stuff on the uh, candidate Buttigieg confirmation and this guy just went along well. The world was climate change. So I have to shut down the pipeline. I mean, this is unbelievably nonsense. So that's kind of a rash but uh, of things that I'm bringing up. But one is like lawsuits and... Yeah, well, I think we got to fight. I, I think you got to throw the whole kitchen sink at the progressive movement uh flannery o'connor says you have to push as hard against the age as pushes against you mm-hmm. and i think we have to take that instruction fairly seriously um and that means of course lawsuits of course um using um the organizations the legal conservative organizations or the legal libertarian organizations or civil libertarian well, organizations if can you can you keep us updated on that uh, sure i'll I mean, try that's really i'll do my what best I want to hear. yeah no i'll do my yeah i mean you're one of the few talk radio guys that have a have a, probably a you know a graduate degree at a university and um and you're in with the crowd of of these various people i'd like to know what some of the executives of these companies Sure. Really think. Sure. You I know, will do my best I, and I will tell you, you 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 said part of it too. Yeah, don't go don't go quietly into that good night. Yes, of course protest. Of course. Um I, I think you have to. I don't think you can let up. You know, a lot of people have called in over the last couple months and saying, Oh, it's useless, we're giving up. No <laughs> now is the exact precise time not to give up. You want to be defeated and have our cause put in the ground burnt and have salt poured over it, then give up and prove them right. No, 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 no. Push back as hard against the age as pushes against you. And I'll say something about what you said about my parameters. I don't think I've ever been called a unicorn before. Do I take it as a compliment? I'll take it as a compliment. We'll be right back. said there's a lot to say having to do with vulgarity, speech, um, the limits we're allowed to go in our protest. Uh, I'll just say this. William asked what what the parameters are that I'm allowed, and I think they're very wide. I I don't think I've ever run against them. I've spoken recently of the privilege of being able to be in this position to have a company that backs us up uh, without any kind of uh, political litmus test or guidance on where we can go. In our political points of view, the only restrictions I have are basically those having to do actually with uh, the word uh, Tony brought up, vulgarity, the FCC uh, restrictions on you know the kinds of language we can use. But not the political point of view, not the viewpoint. We have no viewpoint discrimination on this um, 
network on this uh, radio station. Thanks to uh, Salem. Thanks to Ed Atzinger and uh, Jim Ryan, our general manager here. So we have very wide latitude. So one of the things I would say that goes for the callers as well as me, at least that's the kind of show I like to run, William, and everyone else. Uh, William, when you talk to your friends and say they don't know where to go, Okay, so um, not everyone writes for The Federalist or um, other outlets, uh, but you can certainly read them. And I would say send them here. Send them here. You know, the only one of the, one of one of the important things about a call-in show, particularly like this one, as I'd like to think of it, is that you pe- that people like yourselves know that you're not alone. I think it's really important for you to know you're not alone. I think that's crucially important. It's easy. When the culture is telling you you're crazy and you're in a world of isolation given the pandemic, which exacerbates all those things, it's easy to sometimes think you're alone or, or, or crazy. You're not. You're not. They are. And I gave a monologue once on what it means to have the inmates take over the asylum. That's the asylum we live in. The inmates took it over. We're the normal ones. It's, a, it's an old, great, short story by Edgar Allan Poe. Maybe we'll revisit it. That's the origin of it. But uh, just just because uh, the inmates took over the asylum doesn't mean you're the crazy or the wrong person. I think we're the right ones. Send them here. Andy Biggs is coming up. We'll be right back. <laughs> 